This is Techonomist by Benjamin Johnson, a place of technology news as well as thoughtful opinion and analysis about how tech companies and the products they build are changing the way we live. You can subscribe to my weekly email at techonomist.email or you can follow along right here on your favourite podcast app. Summer's bar tab. Did we spend it wisely? The furlough scheme, government-backed loans, and what's next for zombie companies as the winter plan waters down stimulus. September 28, 2020. Let me start off by saying, who would want to run a country? 2020 has proved to be the most trying of times in 75 years for developed nations like the United Kingdom. This is certainly not a statement made lightly either, as during this period we saw 20% inflation rates in the 1970s, over 12% unemployment in the early 80s during Thatcher's privatisation and breakup of manufacturing and utility companies, and of course the 2008 financial crisis, which put the UK through six straight quarters of negative growth. This year, we've been met with a completely different beast in the global pandemic. Since March, there's been an unprecedented impact on general trade, global supply chains, and human movement around the world. While some companies running on internet-based infrastructure have survived or even thrived, those stuck in an analog world have had their legs taken from under them. The positive news is that we are now more effective at applying fiscal policy to stay the course of economic progress. Programs such as the furlough scheme, government-backed loan schemes, and VAT discounts have pumped hard, cold cash back into the business ecosystem, keeping food on people's tables. It's not perfect, and it comes at a price, but over time our governments are getting better at applying these sorts of instruments. This week, Rishi Sunak and members of the Johnson government took stock of their summer stimulus programs and set out a winter economy plan, extending but also dialing down the level of financial stimulus for UK businesses. Therefore, this felt like the right time to look back at a couple of the cornerstones of the program for business owners and analyse what worked, what didn't, and endeavour to look ahead to see what comes next. There were two core tools used to inject cash into UK businesses, the furlough scheme and government-backed loans. The furlough scheme allowed companies to keep staff unable to work on their payroll, with the government paying up to 80% of their normal salary, capped at £2,500 per month. As a comparison, those on Job Seekers Allowance receive £322 per month, in addition to some other support for housing and council tax. The not working requirement ran to July 31st, following which employers were allowed to bring staff back part-time and continue to claim a portion of the unworked hours under the scheme. At its peak on May 8th, there were 8.9 million employees on furlough, with 9.1 million having been furloughed at some point during the program. This constitutes one-third of all workers in the UK and has cost the taxpayer close to £40 billion thus far. Although most will agree this was necessary to avoid a wave of unemployment, and keeping workers tied to their companies meant when businesses like pubs and shops were ready to open again in July, they had trained and contracted staff ready to go. As of November 1st, Synac's plan for keeping unemployment rates manageable will be a watered-down version of the furlough scheme. The new scheme will have the government willing to subsidise up to 22% of a worker's salary, and employees must return to work part-time. 
With most businesses back trading again, this really was inevitable. However, it will be the first time since March that we get a true sense of the UK unemployment figure as businesses decide whether they can afford to bring staff back at all. There are still over 3 million workers on furlough, which represents around 10% of the UK workforce. The unemployment rate is 4.1% in the UK, remarkably only 0.3% above December levels, which were the lowest we've seen in 45 years. For reference, America's current unemployment rate is 10.2%, with their furlough equivalent scheme not requiring companies to keep staff on, but rather being direct payments from the government to citizens through the CARES Act, giving the US a much more accurate unemployment measure right now. There's every chance here in the UK, unemployment will start to rise towards 10% come November. Accommodation and food businesses, such as restaurants, pubs and hotels, were the most active in using the scheme, with nearly 80% of staff being furloughed at a cost of £4.8 billion to July 31. Wholesale and retail businesses claimed the highest value of employee payments at over £6 billion to that point. Quoting Rishi Sunak, I cannot save every business, I cannot save every job. End quote. Meanwhile, the other notable announcement from Sunak's winter plan is the extension of the four government-backed loan schemes. Setting aside the niche future fund and the large business supporting coronavirus large business interruption loan scheme, the two of interest to most businesses have been the bounce-back loans at £2,000-£50,000 and the coronavirus business interruption loans, £50,000 to £5 million. The Coronavirus Business Interruption Loans, or Siebel's, was the first of the two products that came to market. Initially, the panel of 40 Siebel's lenders were made up of the high street banks and a suite of asset-based and regional lenders who had previous accreditation with the British Business Bank. The fintechs and neobanks were added later, following application processes to prove their suitability. For Siebel's, a business is required to pass some reasonably strict eligibility requirements, including the fact that they were a viable business for three years up to December 2019 and that they have been negatively impacted by the pandemic. While the government is underwriting 80% of the risk for lenders, these requirements have led to only 46% of the 142,000 applicants being approved, with £15 billion having been made available to businesses thus far through Siebel's. A few weeks into the Siebel's program being live, the banks faced huge pressure from both business owners and the government for the slow turnaround time on applications. As businesses struggled to keep their heads above water, loan applications travelled through the exhaustive banking system, themselves overwhelmed by both an unnatural spike in loan applications and their own team members working remotely for the first time. So the government stepped back in and introduced the bounce-back loans, a simple product totally underwritten by the government, or should I say taxpayer, providing up to £50,000 for businesses without the cumbersome affordability checks. They just needed to pass standard identity checks to limit fraud. Bounceback Loans, or Beebles, launched in May, and it quickly got to work. In two weeks, there had been half a million applications. There had been a million by the 14th of June. And today, £38 billion has been approved to 1.26 million business owners, with over 81% of applicants being approved. These loans meant our favourite pubs, hairdressers and coffee shops had a business to return to when restrictions lifted in the summer. So while bounce-back loans were effective in getting money into businesses quickly, there have been critics at the ease in which already unsustainable businesses have been propped up by the taxpayer. The Financial Times reported that bankers issuing these loans 
believe nearly half of these loans will default, leaving a £20 billion hole for the taxpayer to fill. The Economist magazine calls them zombie firms and suggests letting them fail faster will recycle the deadwood for more innovative companies to arise. The other trouble with the government loans has been accessibility for businesses who did not have an existing relationship with the lender. For any of the 100,000 businesses who choose to bank with Newcomber Tide as their primary banking relationship, well, they were informed on the 7th of July that the bank lacked liquidity to issue more of the government-backed loans. Meanwhile, Starling Bank, another popular neobank, had to put in place a waiting list for current customers, also due to a lack of liquidity to meet demand. It's all good and well for the government to back the losses, but it was up to the lenders to find the capital to lend. This week, Sunak announced the loan programs will be extended to the end of November, and repayments can be extended from six to 10 years, although this is up to the lender, particularly for a Sybil's loan. The extension will likely be welcome, as reality sets in for a long winter of social distancing. How the banks feel about four years being added to the maturity of their 2.5% APR bounce-back loans remains unclear. While they're fully backed by the government for losses, that's a long time for their capital to be out the door at a relatively low interest rate. We've seen the government issue statements on these programs which have lacked deep engagement with the lenders ahead of time. This might be another one of those cases. Above all else, what 2020 should drive in the lending industry is accelerated change in the way banks process loan applications. In the spring, when Sybils was launched, the banks were completely exposed by the manual method in which they collect information about their own customers, let alone any ability to serve a new-to-bank customer. Of the high street banks, only HSBC were willing to accept a loan application from a non-bank customer shows a lost opportunity for the lenders. Identity checks, credit reference agency checks, and management information like balance sheet and profit and loss documents are all staples of a commercial loan application. And all of this can be submitted and verified online, technically through APIs. And yet many banks were still offering a phone number and email addresses using human beings to collect that information. This caused the weeks of delays responding to customers who were desperately needing cash. Now, this does not mean lenders shouldn't employ human underwriters to review edge cases and manage complex applications like asset-backed loans. However, for working capital loan products, which Sybils and Bibbles effectively were designed to be, data collection and processing should be done by technology, not by people. This is a USP countless fintechs are launching within the lending space, now able to serve smaller and early stage businesses by reducing their cost to service and processing, even if their costs of capital are much higher than the banks. The cruel irony of the programs early on was that the big banks had all the capital to lend but got tripped up in manual processing. Meanwhile, the fintechs had the processes to deploy at scale, but lacked liquidity to participate. This points to more partnerships in the future, like what we've seen with Barclays Bank and Market Finance, leveraging each other's strengths. So is The Economist right in that we shouldn't be propping up these so-called zombie companies? I certainly don't think so. This was a time of unprecedented impact for businesses, We needed to get money into the folks' hands who employ people as quickly and as sensibly as possible. We'll have one hell of a tax bill at the end of this, but as long as lawmakers fairly distribute the cost of repaying that, then most will agree these programs were, while not perfect, very effective and very much needed. 